0: Matthew chapter seven, we gotta roll. Turn to Matthew chapter seven, all right? Sermon on the Mount, just a few more sermons in this teaching series that we've done on the Sermon on the Mount. And we start chapter seven today, and maybe you're like, man, this is my first time. Should I go home? No, let me get you caught up, all right? Sermon on the Mount, one writer says it like this. In Matthew chapter five through seven, the Sermon on the Mount is wisdom from God, inviting us through faith, to reorient our values, visions, and habits from external righteousness to wholeheartedness toward God. If you've been here, that's hopefully what you're moving from, just an external righteousness to a wholeheartedness for God. No one can do that perfectly. None of us can perform the vision of the sermon perfectly except Jesus. That would be the right answer. Only Jesus can. However, that doesn't mean it's irrelevant to our lives, right? The Sermon on the Mount is not irrelevant to our lives. This writer finishes by saying, by faith and through grace, Jesus is inviting us into a practical life of discipleship. And that's what the Sermon on the Mount is. It's this practical life of discipleship. We've talked about the fact, listen, we can't follow Jesus perfectly, but we can follow him truly. And so the Sermon on the Mount reinforces the need for that. And so in chapter six, or in verse 19 of chapter six through Chapter seven, verse 12, the text we're in today, it's Jesus is kind of talking about righteousness and right relationships, all right? And last week and the week before, Matt, our church planting candidate, and Pastor Brent last week talked about God and, God and money and worry because, man, a lot of times money and worry goes together. And one writer says this, money claims our allegiances and causes us to worry, right? M- money claims our allegiances and it causes us to worry And today, in chapter 7, hopefully you're there, Matthew 7, 1 through 11, Jesus is going to talk about our relationship with our neighbor. All right? With our neighbor. And by our neighbor, we mean those on the inside. As brothers and sisters in Jesus in Keystone, we have a value called spiritual family. And so we live together in spiritual community as spiritual family. What does God have to say about getting along in with our neighbors in the righteousness he's talking about. So that's where we want to start, chapter 7, verse 1. I'm going to read through 6, all right? Here we go. Follow along. It's on the screen. Hopefully you have a Bible, though. Do not judge so that you won't be judged, for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your own? Why do you look splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, "Let me take that splinter out of your eye"? And look, there's a beam of wood in your eye, in your own eye. Hypocrite! Exclamation point. First, take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to dogs. Or toss your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. That's pretty interesting. Matthew 7, 1 through 6, and the opening verses, verses 1 and 2, kind of serve, follow along if you have your Bible there, they kind of serve as the the beginning part of the text that takes us down to verse 12. So he starts with, don't judge others so you won't be judged, and then Bible scholars tell us the conclusion is the famous golden rule in verse 12. You're like, the golden rule's in the Bible? Yes. 12, therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. So verse 1 and verse 12 kind of form a nice bookmark in this section about how we should get along with our neighbor. This text that we're going to read that I just read that we're going to take apart here this morning One writer says it like this, it deals with down-to-earth issues, listen to this, it deals with down-to-earth issues of unfairly critical attitudes to others, which, combined with a lack of self-criticism, threatens to disrupt the close-knit community such as that of Jesus' first disciples. So Jesus is talking to the house here, he's talking to those who are on the inside, disciples, and he says, nothing will blow apart Christian community more than criticism. Um, do you have a favorite kitchen knife? I do. I didn't bring it this morning for obvious reasons. But I, I do. We actually got a new one this Christmas from my in-laws and uh, made in the USA. I, I love that knife. Uh, but if you came to my house and maybe you would ask, like, Could I see your kitchen knives? Maybe you wouldn't. I don't know. But I would show that knife to you. However, if you came in like you brought your family, you have kids maybe you came and the kids are out and I have it sitting out, you'd be like, we put the knife away, I'd be like, oh, I love that knife. So it's you know, it's kind of a piece. I, but that, you would be like, I'm never going back to Fry's house. He leaves knives laying around. Why do I bring that up? Because a knife can be a tool or a weapon, right? I love that knife not because it's a weapon. If that's the case, I have problems. But as a tool, it's very normal. Criticism can be a weapon. You ever, you ever had criticism weaponized against you? In your marriage? In your connection group? In a relationship with a brother or sister in Christ? I have. I've used the knife before as a weapon. So, Jesus, here's what Jesus is gonna tell you. This is what Jesus is asking us to think about. Look, look at verse six. I got a lot I wanna say. Look at verse six. Notice what he says. Don't, you should underline part of this. Um, don't give this phrase right here. What is holy? See that? Underline that. If not in your Bible, in your mind. what? We have something holy. We have the word of God in spiritual community. And we, we can't use God's word. Bible says it's a sword, right? We can't use it as a weapon when we criticize one another. We can use it as a tool. We can use it constructively. You ever been criticized constructively? I have, man, there's nothing better for me. But man, sometimes we criticize destructively. We use the knife the wrong way. How how are you using the knife of holy things? How do you handle it when you criticize someone? We have what is holy. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, Now we have this treasure in jars of clay. Any jars of clay fans out there? If you know, you know. Yes, let's get together with some CDs after. Right, uh... We have this treasure in jars of clay. What does he mean? The treasure is gospel. The Bible, in some ways, we could say. The treasure is the spiritual things we have that God has given us to to help each other. We have this treasure in jars of clay. That's what we are, jars of clay. (laughs) Good morning. We're a pot. (laughs) We're a piece of pottery. But we have this inestimable treasure in the word of God to use, to help each other, to criticize each other constructively. But it can be destructive sometimes, can it? You have this treasure in jars of clay. And so how, how are we? Here's what I wanna ask us this morning. I think this question's on the screen. How do we handle what is holy? How do you handle what is holy when it comes to criticizing one another? Because we have, we have holy things. We have holy things to help one another. And if we use them destructively, we're using them wrongly but we need to use them constructively so when when we criticize each other, when we pass judgment, is it a weapon or a tool? Is it destructive or constructive? Do you have the knife out appropriately or inappropriately? You see, I want us to look at some priorities of how to handle holy things. How do we handle holy things? If you know know and follow Jesus, you have holy things. We have holy things in Christian community. And tonight, some of you are going to sit in a a connection group and you're going to you're gonna take out the sword of the word of God and use it. Is it gonna be a weapon or is it gonna be a tool? Is it gonna be destructive or is it gonna be constructive? Several things that Jesus tells us to do here. Number one is this, don't distort discernment. That's the first thing I wanna say. This is the part of the sermon where I tell you what Jesus is not saying. Okay, We've done that a lot in the sermon. What is he not saying? If Pastor Brent was worried about preaching about worry last week, I should be worried about preaching about judging each other, right? This, this is not an easy text. Um, someone said these might be the three most popular verses in the Bible, check these out. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. How dare you judge me? You ever say that to anybody? Listen, pagans out there who don't even like the Bible, they know this verse. They have Matthew 7-1 memorized, right? Don't judge me. God is love, that's another favorite verse. There's more to that verse, by the way. That's what the dot, dot, dot means. But God is love makes a great t shirt. Very popular uh, situation that Jesus had with a woman caught in sin. He said, The one who is without sin should be the first to throw a stone. We love culture, the world. Those of us who don't follow Jesus, we love that verse too. All of those things say, Don't come at me, man. Don't misuse your holy things, don't judge me. Listen, Christian friend, let's get something clear right now, Jesus is not saying we should never judge. He's not saying we should never criticize. He's not saying we should, and that word judge has modern day cultural connotations that's like, I know it lands so hard like judge. What he's saying though is it doesn't mean as Christians we don't use discernment. And I think as Christians, here's here's a good reminder we need. We can't just throw out the window Looking at our culture and critiquing it and saying, That's wrong. Because we're afraid that the culture is like, Don't you judge me. Listen, in love, I don't care if they put that up. It is our responsibility to be discerning. So, what Jesus is not saying, He is not saying, Don't judge anyone. Don't ever be critical. Don't look at the outside world and assess what they're doing, whether it's right or wrong. One writer says it like this Jesus doesn't mean we shouldn't evaluate things morally. Do you think Jesus is evaluating things morally? Uh, He called his own followers here hypocrites. That's the only time he's ever used that word with his followers in the sermon. It was usually at the Pharisees. But he's talking to the family and he calls him hypocrites. He also uses the word dogs and pigs, right? I mean, Jesus is very critical here. He's discerning. Don't throw discernment out the window. Christian brothers and sisters, we need to be discerning. Hebrews 5.14 says it like this. There's so many places. This is not the sermon, by the way. What Jesus is not saying is not the sermon, but we have to start there. About what he is not saying. And he's not saying, as Christians, we shouldn't be critiquing the culture. We shouldn't be criticizing. We shouldn't take the holy things of the word of God and use them as a tool in the culture to say, hey, you know what God says about that? We should be doing that a lot within our family and outside the walls of this church. We shouldn't be afraid of that. Thus saith the Lord. That's King James. We shouldn't be afraid of that. Don't distort discernment. Don't give up. Don't say, "Well, I can't ever speak into that." You should. Hebrews five fourteen. I forgot. Get back here. Solid food is for the mature, for those. Look at this. Whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. One translation said, whose perceptions are trained by practice. Those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. I put this quote up there from that verse. I've been thinking about this verse all week. What does it look like to have my senses trained to distinguish good from evil? That's who we should be as Christians. You have senses as a Christian. You have holy things. Those holy, The way that God uses these holy things to change your life should help you look at the world and be able to distinguish well, that's wrong or that's right. Seriously. Wonder how we're doing with that. This isn't a sermon, so I can't spend time here. I know I keep saying that, but sense is trained to distinguish good from evil. I put, I've been thinking three things here. When when listen, when you discern, when you when you criticize outside the culture, when you And and by the way, some of these things we're going to put up here. We'll put them wherever you listen to the sermon, like YouTube or the podcast. We'll we'll include this if you don't get some of this down and you want it. But when it comes to the way you discern, here's some ways to think about whether or not your senses are trained to discern appropriately. I was thinking about these things. Do you always say this is what I think, or do you say this is what the Bible says? You want to know what Matt Fry thinks? I'll tell you all day. Let's go to coffee. I'll sit for an hour and tell you all the things I think. But do you take do you take the sword of the Word of God, the holy things, and say? hey, do you know what God says about that? And maybe they don't care what God says, but do you take the word of God? Or is it always, well, this is what I think. This is what I heard, or what I read there, or on Facebook. You know what I mean. Listen, if, if our senses are discerned, we're using holy things. Second thing is this, who helps you see your blind spots? If you're always right in your discernment, you should probably be nervous. Well, I know that's wrong. Really? Do you have people around you who say, and you're like, well, I don't, I don't know what my blind spots are. I know, that's why they're blind spots. So maybe it's your spouse or maybe it's your connection group or maybe it's that brother in Christ at work or that sister that you know that can pull you aside and say, hey, listen, you're off, you're off the trail here. Like what you said there, you, you weaponized that. Or what you said there is completely wrong. You have people like that in your life to, to help you discern and help others discern, to help you criticize appropriately, to help you handle holy things. Don't go it alone. We need each other. Uh, you often find yourself th- th- thinking this, I think that's wrong, but I wouldn't know what to say. Do you, you ever find yourself saying that? Well, I see that in the culture, and I think that's wrong, but I, I'm not sure what I would say. Man, maybe today you need to gather some resources around yourself or people around yourself that can help you be discerning. So next time it's like, hey, listen, I, I'm not perfect, but here's what, I know what God says about that. Let me, let me take the knife out and use it as a tool, Right? Don't distort discernment. Christian brothers and sisters, it's okay to criticize. Is it a weapon or a tool? How do you handle holy things? Don't distort discernment. Don't give up being discerning in this culture, in this world, with each other. Second thing is this. And this is the, this is the crux of the sermon. We need to have, we need to see the significance of how much more. So, so we've already, so here's what, we've, here's what Jesus has told us. When it comes to the world out there, we need to be discerning. You move into your workplace tomorrow, you move with your family who don't know Jesus, discerning. Handle holy things. Take the word of God and say, well, this is what the Bible said. This is how I live my life. Jesus said this. Be discerning in the culture. But when it comes to those of us in the body of Christ, how do we criticize one another? So that it's constructive and not destructive. So that we're handling holy things well. Here's what Jesus tells us. I think that's helpful. We, We always see the significance of how much more. How much more? I'm gonna get to that, because you're like, what does that mean? I'm gonna get to it. First Samuel 16:7. humans don't see what the Lord sees, for humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read that verse, I act like I'm with the Lord seeing the heart. You ever feel that way? Like you pull that verse out for someone who's got something misconstrued, and you say, well, listen, God sees the heart, and you're almost like, God and me see the heart. I don't see the heart the way God sees it. So. Here's one thing we gotta remember, we're not God. And when it it comes to discernment, when it comes to criticizing, if we wanna do it appropriately, if we wanna do it constructively, we have to realize, man, God sees perfectly. We don't see perfectly. We don't see the heart. We see the outside. And so Jesus says, man, we have to think about the significance of what's gonna help us see appropriately, to see truly. And what he gives us in the sermon here is seeing from the perspective of how much more. Notice the beam is significant, but the splinter is less significant. You see that? When we criticize others, by the way, Jesus was a carpenter, so he knows what he's talking about here, right? Carpenters, you're welcome. Uh, when, when, we see, when we see the splinter in someone else's eye, the thing we're criticizing, Jesus says, that's if we're thinking how much more, that's significant because we always know I better check my own motives before I criticize that person. Before I jump in and pull the knife out and say, hey, I'm gonna use the knife. Before we do that, we have to realize, man, what's what's what I look at in their life and see is significant. What about in my life is much more significant? We often don't answer that, or ask that question, do we? We often go right in. But Jesus says, remember, remember how much more significant the beam is in your own eye. So Jesus has used this how much more argument, and there's a Latin term. Ready for some Latin? I think I have this on the screen. Uh, A fortiori. That's the argument Jesus is using. You can use that on your friends this week, Latin. Say, really smart pastor at my church taught us that. A fortiori. It is is the Latin phrase for an argument from the stronger. It's the argument from the stronger. And Jesus has used this throughout the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Go back with me. I don't have this on the screen, but... Look at the birds, Jesus said in 626, Pastor Brent's birds. Uh, consider the lilies, he said in 628. What was he doing there? Well, he was, Jesus was showing us that since he cares even for the birds and the lilies, get ready, how much more he's going to care for us. That's what he said in verse 11. Uh, that's what he's going to say in verse 11 in next week's sermon. Uh, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who know him? So throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus always argues from how much more. Listen, if you're worried and your life is consumed by wealth, Jesus says, stop worrying about that. I took care of the birds. You see the birds flying around. I take care of the lilies. They're here today. They're gone tomorrow. How much more? And so In the same way, Jesus takes this argument of criticism and says, every time you're ready to notice the insignificant splinter in someone else's eye, do you realize how much more significant the beam is in your own eye? Because if you don't, you're gonna pull your favorite knife out and it's gonna be a weapon. And it's gonna be destructive. So how much more is the argument Jesus says we have to think about when it comes to criticism one writer says in response to God's over, it is in God's response to, sorry, it is in response to God's overwhelming mercy that we renounce the habit of harshly judging others. How much more? There's a splinter in someone's eye, man, I am ready to go full bore, open the Old Testament wrath on it. Jesus says, wait a second, you know how, you know how generous I've been with you? How much more should you see the beam in your own eye before you notice that insignificant splinter in the life of someone else? That's hard to do, isn't it? Because usually I think I'm right. Remember? Me and God, we see the heart. No. How do we handle holy things? Matthew, this writer goes on to say, Matthew's well aware of this connection. Later in chapter 18, he talks about forgiving like this. Remember the story in Matthew 18, verses 23 to 25 there? Jesus says, a man comes and he's he owes a great debt and that great debt is forgiven and then he goes out because someone owes him a small debt and he won't forgive that debt. Remember that story? You can see that in Matthew 18. Same principle here, how much more? So so when we criticize, we criticize understanding the principle of how much more. When we forgive, we forgive under the principle of how much more. Because ultimately in the perspective of everything that God has done for us, how dare we take the holy things and handle them in a way that is destructive as a weapon not as a tool significance of how much more just as we forgive because we've been forgiven so we are generous in our judgment of others because God has dealt generously with us i thought about it like this friends i think i have this up here up here on the screen our eye problem is an eye problem I got it right too, I got the eyes at the right place. Hang on here, because this is what Jesus is gonna say something really interesting. Our eye problem is an eye problem. When we go into, when we go into criticism destructively, I got the answer. I know what the problem is, I see the problem with you. Jesus says, you know what that eye problem is with us at the center? It's an eye problem, it's a vision problem. Shout out to the eye doctors. It's a vision problem. Jesus, for whatever reason, loves talking about the eye in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, I don't think this is on the screen, but this is back, back in Matt Mabry's sermon, 6, 22 and 23. The eye, see? Another, another eye illustration. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? Back there, Jesus said, if you, if you have a problem with money, it's an eye problem. You're not seeing things the way you need to see them. Here, he's talking about criticism, and Jesus says, hey, I'd like to talk about eyes again. I'd like to talk about vision. Sometimes you look at a splinter in a brother or sister's life, and you don't see the beam in your own eye. You've got a vision problem. The, and it's like, here's what you need to know, and you take the holy things and you use them as a weapon and not a tool. That's an eye problem. It's because of what we're seeing and because of what we're not seeing Um, I have this on the screen. Here's why this is so important. Here's why this I thing is so important. This is Matthew 20, verse 15. This is a story where Jesus tells a parable about a bunch of people who came to work in a vineyard, and some guys came early in the morning. They worked all day, and some guys came right at the end of the day, like the last two hours before work. They worked like two hours. It's time for everybody to get paid. At the end of the day, horn goes off, everybody's going home, punching out. The master's there, and he's paying, and he pays everybody the same. How do you think the guys who started the beginning of the day feel? Like, you got to be kidding me. Jesus uses that parable to talk about what a, God, what a generous God God is. And so Jesus says this. Do I, speaking for God in this parable, Matthew 20, 15, do I not have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Then he says this phrase, are you jealous because I'm generous? You see that? This is Matthew 20, 15. Are you jealous because I'm generous? That's a really poor translation of that. I'm no Bible language scholar, but Bible scholars tell us that's a really poor paraphrase. It's not a good translation. Really, what he's saying there is this, is your eye evil? What he's saying, what Jesus is saying in Matthew 20, 15 is, is your eye evil? Which was an idiom then for, is your eye an eye of jealousy or stinginess? In other words, one translation says, is your eye evil because I am good? In other words, those second guys didn't think about, What Jesus is using the illustration thereof is this. We don't think about all the good things God has done for us. We just think about, well, what's mine and what's right and what do I think? Because our our vision doesn't capture the generosity of God for us. How much more? And Jesus says you have an eye problem. Your eye problem, when, when we put ourselves at the center and we handle the holy things in a way that we beat up others and we're destructive in our criticism, listen, that's an eye problem. The first thing we need to see is the generosity of God. I'm ready to put it like this. Unfortunately, he says here, uh, this refers, there in Matthew 20, it refers to an eye that cannot see the beauty of grace. It cannot see the brightness of generosity. It's an eye that is blind to what is truly beautiful and bright and precious and godly. It's a worldly eye. Um, look at verse 3. See how this plays out. How much more? If, if, I, if I handle the holy things in a way that it's a, it's a tool and not a weapon. In my mind, I'm thinking, how much more? God, there's a splinter in my brother's eye, but in my sister's eye, but how much more is the beam in my own eye? And God, I, I need to forgive, because how much more have you forgiven me? Man, if we're thinking that way, look what happens. Check this out back in the text. It's not on the screen. That's why you need a Bible. Uh, Verse three, why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? What's, the person who's criticizing there, what are they doing? The only thing they're doing is looking. It's easy to look. Come to me after the service, you want me to criticize you? I could probably criticize something in your life, right now. I mean, if all we're doing is looking, we can criticize each other all day. And Jesus says, listen, if you don't think about how much more God has been generous, all you're going to see is what's wrong. All you're going to be able to do is see. But if you truly understand how much more God has done for you in forgiveness, in being generous to us, in not judging us, look what happens. Because look what happens in verse 6 or uh, verse 5 when he sees. He says, hypocrite, Here's, here. if you get your eyes fixed, if you get your vision right, if you see how much more, notice, first, take the beam of wood out of your own eye. And then you'll be, you will see clearly to do what? To take the splinter out of your brother's eye. It's not that we should never criticize each other. A lot of people are just like, never criticize. That's not what he's talking about among the Christian family either. We should criticize. But friends, the first thing we do when we understand how we stand before God, that he has been a generous judge, he's been so good to me, how much more? Then, instead of just seeing and criticizing, we can actually see the splinter in someone else's eye. and say, hey, listen, I know what God's done for me. Let me help you with that. And our criticism becomes, becomes a tool and not a weapon. How's your criticism? Listen, if you're at the center of, well, you're wrong, and that's wrong, and your eye problem is an eye problem. And Jesus says we need to have a vision for how much more See clearly to help one another. The stare to find fault, one writer said this, I love it, the stare to find fault becomes the genuinely friendly eye of a brother or sister who is a servant. That's how we wanna criticize. Listen, I'm gonna fly on these, you can't take these down, but this has been so helpful to me. Again, you can get these wherever you listen to sermon. Let me help you practically, how do you do this? How, how do you cultivate the right vision in your life? Next time you wanna criticize, ask these things. Do I have the facts straight? I have a verse to go with them because the Word of God. I didn't make this up, by the way. It's really good. It's way above me. Is my attitude right? You look at these verses up, this is where you run into trouble. Um, is my timing right? Should I let love cover this? Have I prayed for God's help? Are my planned words loving? Try that on. One, two, three, you know what those six things will do? They'll give you the vision of, oh, I see the beam. And really, I thought you had the beam in your eye, but what you have in your eye, that's the splinter. And how generous God has been with me. So before I criticize, before I take this knife and use it as a weapon, let me use it as a tool to help you. Friends, our eye problem, when we put ourselves at the center of destructive criticism, it's a. That I problem is an E-Y-E problem. So, listen, how much more? We need to see the significance of how much more. Uh, Let me end with a warning. If you don't like any of that, I'll give you a warning. (laughs) This is what James 4.12 says. There is one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? Who are you to judge your neighbor? Well, look at verse two says, goes right along with James there. Jesus said, for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others and you will be measured by the same measure you use. That passive voice there means you will be judged. That's God doing the judging. So one writer says it like this. Unless we learn these lessons of using criticism and using judgment as a tool and not a weapon of handling the holy things appropriately, One writer says, undue harshness and a judgmental attitude toward others will result in being treated much the same way by God. Listen, friends, I'm not telling you that God's gonna beat you over the head if you don't judge appropriately, but I am telling you this, God is the ultimate judge. And the whole reason that we think how much more is we know how good he's been to us. And so that becomes a basis for our looking at our spouse or looking at our kids or that person at work or someone in your family and saying, man, before I jump into the splinter, How much more significant is the beam in my own eye? And how much more generous has God been to me? And how much more have I been forgiven of? Now, I'm ready to handle the holy things. So, see the significance of how much more. Last thing. Sometimes shake the dust off your feet. This comes in out of left field (laughs) in some ways. Verse 6, the way it's attached is interesting. But here Jesus says, he gives us one more reminder about judgment in the world. Notice what he says there in verse 6. Don't give what is holy to dogs or toss your pearls before pigs or they will trample them under their feet, turn and tear you to pieces. What is Jesus saying? He's saying this whether it's a person on the outside or a person on the inside. Sometimes Proverbs calls them a mocker. You ever heard that term? You ever try to criticize a mocker and maybe your heart is right before God, maybe you're handling the holy things well, but it's just like, it's obstinate, won't listen, or outside it's someone who just doesn't care about the things of God. Jesus says this, hey, here's an exception clause. Sometimes shake, the dust off your feet and walk away. Some of us, we're in battles online and we're in battles with people and it's time to stop. It's time to shake the dust off your feet and walk away. Jesus says, that's not your fight. Or sometimes we're trying to reprove mockers and Jesus says, at some point, it's like giving the holy things to a pig. I know we love pigs in Iowa, but you get the metaphor, right? Stop. So sometimes when it comes to criticism, especially with the outside, we need to shake the dust off our feet. I told you I had a lot. I'm going to quit with this. Let me me talk about this practically. How do you do this? Well, sometimes, I think I have these up there, sometimes it's very definitive. Sometimes very definitive. This is Jesus later, Matthew 10. If anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, keep talking to them. Is that what he says? Shake the dust off your feet. That's a ceremonial symbol of going outside the city, taking those shoes and being like, I'm done. Sometimes very definitive. Sometimes where you're going with criticism, Jesus says, stop, they're not listening, stop. Sometimes definitive. Next one. It's never vindictive. When we shake the dust off our feet, it's never. You'll get yours. I'll see to it. I, I taught in youth a couple weeks ago. Imagine teaching, me teaching young people, those poor kids, right? Like, Grandpa. Uh, we talked about this verse, though. Luke nine fifty four. this is an interesting story. Jesus is traveling. He's ready to go to a Samaritan village, and the Samaritans come out ahead to his disciples and say, listen, we don't want anything to do with Jesus. How about that? They're like, don't come through our town. So... Uh, James and John, two of his disciples, they know the options Jesus has as God, right? They have seen him do a lot of cool stuff. Notice what they say, I, I love the story, because I would be just like them. When the disciples James and John saw this, that the town didn't want Jesus to come through, they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and consume the town? <laughs> you ever feel like that? If you read the rest of the story, it's hilarious, because Jesus is like, no, that's not what any of this is about. He's in, it says he's indignant at him. But listen, sometimes, sometimes when we shake the dust off our feet, we do it with vindictiveness, as if we are the ones to take revenge. Jesus says, listen, God is the ultimate judge. Let them deal with God and his wrath. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. That's not your job, it's not my job. So sometimes when you shake the dust off your feet, get your attitude in check. Go back to how much more, right? Put the knife away. It's often complex. This is, this is Paul. He preached this great sermon in Acts 17. He got to the resurrection. Look what happens. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some began to ridicule him. Others said, We'd like to hear from you about this again. So Paul left their presence. However, some people joined him and believed, including Dionysius the Areopagite. Sounds like a rapper. Uh, uh, <laughs> A woman named Damaris and others with them. That's what I thought. Uh, listen, shaking the dust off your feet sometimes is complex. Some of these people, Paul's like, I could probably stick around and do a seminar and they'd listen. Some of them are like, We're with you. We're coming with you. That's awesome. But some of them are like, You're, That's ridiculous. Resurrection of the dead. I'm never going to listen to you again. And Paul's like, I'm out. It's complicated sometimes, right? Some of you got people in your own family. It's Like you talk to them in different ways when it comes to when it comes to criticizing, when it comes to handling holy things. So sometimes it's it's nuanced. It's nuanced. Last thing is this: it requires it requires wisdom, requires discernment. If I was going to get a tattoo, it'd be this verse. I'm sending. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves, be as shrewd as serpents, innocent as doves. One of my favorite passages of scripture. The Christian is called at once. Check out three metaphors with three different animals in one verse. There is a lot going on in that verse. Sometimes Jesus says, be like a sheep to the slaughter. Sometimes be like a spitting cobra to slink away and live another day. Sometimes be as gentle as a dove. It requires discernment so we're back where we started. Listen, you got that knife? I'm sure you like it, but the holy things of God, they can be weaponized or they can be used as tools to help others. The key is this how much more? Is your perspective how much more God has done for me? How much more is the sin in my own life? Before we criticize, we are generous in our judgment of others because God has dealt generously with us. Isn't that good? We are generous in our criticism of others because God has dealt generously with you. Listen, friend, we wake up every day really realizing how unworthy we are of God's generosity to us. May that lead the way in the generosity that we show to others when we criticize, when we judge. How you doing? Is it a weapon or is it a tool? Is it destructive or is it constructive? May God has been generous to us. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, I hope you hear the words of Sydney today. They're going half, imagine older people. I had tears in my eyes when they were up here, sending your kids halfway around the world like that, right? Do you hear know what she said? To know Jesus, because God has been so generous to send one Savior. All those gods they worship, they're not Jesus. It won't help. And so there they go to say, do you know how generous God has been to us? Well, how are we gonna take that into our homes? How are we gonna take that with the holy things and how we handle God has been so generous to us, let's be generous to others, rightly handling the holy things. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power that we have in the holy things of scripture to use as tools to help each other constructively. God, help us not to lose our way in criticism, in judgment of others, outside these walls, inside these walls. Lord, go before us as the how much more God who cares for the birds and the flowers, how much more will you care for us who forgave us at the cross in Jesus, how much more will we forgive? Whatever it may be, God help us to handle holy things in Jesus' name.